This is Super Yacht Radio. And welcome back to our final part of this show about life after yachting. You know, we've had a chat with Tita and Melissa at the start about what the concept is and, and how it all evolved. We've had our two great coaches, Emma and Anna, talking about finding our own direction. We've heard from Martin of transferable skills. And now to finish it off is, you know, in some ways the kind of scaffolding that we can put all of these ideas onto, and it's looking at the finance. And to join us for that uh, is, of course, my co-host again, Melissa, but also uh, Emma Parks from Church House Investments. Welcome back. Lovely to see you again. Hi, Maeve. Hi, Melissa. And thank you so much for having me back again. Um, and yeah, delighted to be the scaffolding to the conversation. <laughs> um, but I think I think you're exactly right in what you say that um, while sometimes people fear talking about finances or, or perhaps they don't understand it too much, I think it is something that's really important to address, um, however experienced or inexperienced you might be, because as you rightly say, you know, having a good financial plan in place really determines not only your now, but certainly your future and the freedoms it can give you. And that, I think, is is one of the keys to life after yachting, um, is to, you know, encourage people to make good plans from the very beginning of their career to allow them that freedom to transition out of yachting at, at a time scale, scale that they want to adhere to, not that they're forced to. So, yeah, I'm happy to happy to talk about how, you know, finances work into that. Well, because can I just a little bit of background, but, you know, Church House Investments, you're a big corporation that does many other different parts, but your particular focus that you've kind of been spearheading is really focusing on the yachting industry and crew in the yachting industry, which is kind of a unique, I would think a unique subset of investors because they do at the moment when they're on, on, you know, yachting life, have a very different balance to many other people of the similar age. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So Church House has been going for some 22 years. I've been here for seven years of that. Um, and before that, I was working in Barclays Private Bank, um, based in the UK. Um, I got into the yachting space, really. My partner was um, in yachting for ages, started out as a deckhand and finished his career as an engineer. And I saw how difficult it was for him to transition out of yachting um, into land-based life. So sort of live through that with him. And we also have many, many friends who have or still do work in the industry. And constantly I was getting, you know, having my brains picked, what should I do about this? What's the best way to invest? What's the best way to make a plan for the future? And it really struck me that there seemed to be um, a bit of a gap in in good, solid advice for crew. Um, and, and also there's a lot of advice out there, but it was, I think the difficulty was people picking out trusted advisors, which is so important. And, and as you say, crew is a, um, a very niche subsect, really, because there are a lot of particularly young crew who are inexperienced and earning, you know, an awful lot of money, more money than I do at a really young age, but don't necessarily have the guidance um, th- that we might do as land based people to organize things like pensions or saving for properties, um, saving in a tax efficient manner, all of those things. So, what I was seeing was a lot of people investing either in cash saving in cash or investing in property or not really saving at all um, or a sort of combination of the three. So that's where it sort of came from. 
And there's also, you know, the other side is that they don't have, I mean, I guess it's two sides. One, they're not necessarily part of a system. If you're working in Ireland or the UK or France, you're automatically to work, you're part of a system. You know, crew can be all around the world, which makes them a little bit different. And also they don't have the same uh, monthly expenses necessarily because they don't necessarily have their rent or, you know, electricity bills or other stuff. So I would imagine as well, they have a lot more disposable income that is very nice to spend as well. But, you know, um, it's kind of a peach time in their lives to actually be able to put away quite a lot without it affecting their lifestyle. Absolutely. I think that's 100% accurate. And I think, you know, I haven't worked in yachting, but as I say, I, you know, I do have a lot of close friends who, who have, and I think a lot of the feedback I've had is that you're living in this world where you're surrounded by luxury and wealth. And so you see the boss drinking this particular bottle of Margot, Chateau Margot wine, and you think, actually, on my day off, I'll go to that restaurant and buy that because I've got a thousand pounds to spend on lunch. You're not thinking, oh, do you think I should put that into a pension for when I'm 65? You just don't think like that when you're younger. Um, and so I think it is hard. And as you say, you know, there are fewer outgoings, fewer responsibilities in terms of you know managing your personal finances than you might otherwise have um, so I think it is easy to get lost in the, the the hard work but also the fun side of it um, and I think we mustn't forget that you know people are working incredibly hard for this money so it's not I'm not saying don't enjoy yourself but what I am saying is that it's really important to not let it be a waste of time and make sure that it gives you the freedom that it can later in life um, and I think the other point you make maybe is a really good one is that people can get lost in the system because you don't so many clients come to me and say well I don't I don't know what my tax position is I don't know where I'm resident I'm not I'm not getting any state pension anywhere I don't know where I should be filing um, now I don't give tax advice we have to bring in um, formal tax advisors for that but that is the first stage that everyone should consider is working out your tax residency um, and then actually there are various benefits that come from doing that that particularly for UK crew um, there are you know some excellent tax-free saving opportunities to make the most of without you know without having to go and pay hundreds and thousands of pounds to go and you know invest in Bermuda or somewhere like that in some complicated scheme there are often the simplest ways are the best um, and I think addressing the tax issue first is very important as I say we, we don't do that but if anybody ever wants to come to me and pick my brains on who they could talk to I could certainly you know throw, throw a few names out there yeah and I think um, from a life after yachting point of view one of the biggest barriers I think people face when they are moving ashore is that there is a difference in salaries and and I think that that difference is is very off-putting and that the golden handcuffs in the industry are, are quite extreme um, and I think for crew to understand that they've got an opportunity to soften that blow by making a provision from early on in their career while they are earning and to have that understanding that that will then give them choices and options in the future um, is really important. A hundred percent. And actually <clears throat> that comes down to what Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world, which is compounding. So compound interest. Um, don't everyone switch off or roll your eyes, but it's um, essentially if you have £100 and you're earning 1% interest, you end up with £101 at the end of that year. That means the year after you're earning interest on £101 and so it rolls on. And actually, I found this um, 
really interesting chart that's not an oxymoron charts can be interesting um <laughs> and it was basically showing the difference between someone starting to save at 19 and the same person or someone else starting to save at 27 so this is based on someone investing and earning an interest rate of 12 percent in this example and i would say 12 percent is extremely high that would be that is for example the average annual return of our highest risk level of our portfolio so 12 percent is high but it's just interesting to illustrate the point so this person starts saving £2,000 a year, age 19, and he stops saving at 26. When he gets to 65, he ends up with £2,288,996. And that is because of compound interest. Now, the same person, well, a different person, saves nothing until he's 27 and then saves £2,000 every single year until he's 65. And he ends up with £1,532,166. So the first guy only saved for seven years and he, he, he had you know, almost a million pounds more at the end. The other guy was saving from 27 to 65 and was a million pounds out. So it really goes to show the sooner you start, the better. And also it's a case of saving while you can because, you know, as Melissa rightly points out, you don't know when you're going to be earning this much money again, certainly free from tax. You'd have to get into an incredibly well-paid land-based job to be earning the same net of tax and living expenses, rent, all of those things um, than you are now. So I think it's really important that, you know, people do focus on, on this provision early. It's, um, it, it's about giving yourself control over your own destiny. And if you want to have choices later on, um, you know, you've you've made most Yokra have made this amazing choice to go and live, you know, in quite a different lifestyle. And and you know, although the industry has its tougher side, it it is an amazing industry to be part of. Um, and I think it's very hard to then go ashore and become more normal. Um, and if you want to retain the opportunity to to still do things that you find really fascinating and indis- and interesting, once you do step out of yachting and step ashore, then then you know using your finances wisely early on gives you those opportunities. A hundred percent. And actually, there's just one more figure that I thought was was quite interesting. Now, this is I suppose specific to UK crew, but mm. worth pointing out is pensions and again it's showing how saving just a little bit every year people say oh well you know what's the point in saving two thousand pounds a year that's never going to touch the sides um because in the uk you can actually save odd number but two thousand eight hundred and eighty pounds a year into a pension even though you're not paying tax and then get a tax reclaim so you pay in two thousand eight hundred and eighty and hmrc give you 720 pounds back so you've made 720 pounds before you've even had a chance to grow that portfolio now if you started doing that age 20 and you did it every year until you were 60 um based on five percent growth so i've gone for the very you know bottom end of the risk scale here you would end up with £480,000 in your pension. Um, If you left that until you were 30, you'd end up with 265,000. And if you left it till you were 40, you'd end up with 134,000. So 480, 265, 134. Again, it's all about starting early. Wow. However, Clive, for those of us that aren't any longer 18, 19 or 20, There is still always going to be a wisdom of looking at investing, you know, even if you have started late or you're not sure if what you've put aside is going to be enough because, you know, life has changed. 
um, even particularly, I would imagine over the past year or two, Emma, you've seen a lot of different inquiries and changes happening on what is kind of happening in the world um, post-pandemic. In the UK, you've also had huge changes. So there, currently there's, there's a lot going on that would still be, it's a good time to review and have a look at your investments that you have or whether you need to have new ones. Oh gosh, I mean completely. It's been so I've been doing this job for 13 years and it has been an exceptional couple of years. I mean, a global pandemic followed by this horrific war in Ukraine. Um, who saw any of this coming? Certainly not me. Um, I think now is a really good time to a lot of people will be managing their own investments or trying to manage their own investments. That's always difficult. Anyway, if you're not professional and you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to it, um, I think now in times of volatile markets such as this is even more important to just seek a bit of professional advice. And maybe you want to have a bit of skin in the game and you want to, you know, have a portfolio that has three or four stocks that you're particularly passionate about. Or, you know, you've heard the boss saying it's a great idea or someone, you know, the engineer on the other boat says it's a great idea, whatever. But I think for your core savings, for your future, I, I really do think it is important to seek some proper investment advice around that from people that, you know, have been working in the industry for years and years and years and have all of this this resource. I mean, actually, I'm, I suppose, relatively new to it being 13 years in. Um, the, you know, the investment team have been here for here for over 20 years and in the in the industry for even longer than that. Um, and as I think you're alluding to as well, Maeve, at the moment, you know, volatility, volatility does throw up opportunity. Um, so there are a lot of companies, we saw it in COVID, there were a lot of very solid companies that basically were dragged down by global events, even though actually there was still demand, they were still well run, um, they still had strong balance sheet. And we saw how those companies bounced right back up as soon as markets started to settle and we understood a bit more what was going on about COVID. I mean, for example, Unilever, which makes everything from cleaning products to Ben & Jerry's ice cream, really solid investment. I mean, that fell by about 30% in COVID and then bounced right back up. Um, and that's been a stalwart in our portfolios for quite some time. Um, other businesses such as platform businesses like um, Auto Trader or Train Lines, so, you know, booking train tickets, obviously they took a big hit because people weren't booking trains in, in COVID. Um, but then they had a slightly unsuccessful IPO and offering to, to out shareholders. Um, and now they've bounced back 75, 80% since then. So it's all about using professional resources to pick out these opportunities because, you know, even in the throes of the darkest pandemic or, or an awful war, there are certainly going to be winners and losers um, in terms of companies that you invest in. And it's about finding those. And we've seen it historically, you know, with the last crash, in what, 2007 to 2009 time, as well as, I mean, everyone thought a pandemic, that was it, everything was going to stop. But actually, there were a lot of people who became millionaires, billionaires from finding, you know, different opportunities at that time. So um, I, I think there's probably always a balance of both extremes in times of, you know, global stress, isn't there? Yeah, abso absolutely. And I think the other discipline that's really important to think about is, if you've if you've got a level, you know you're you're hoping your investment is going to achieve X price. If it hits that price, you know take the profits and sell out and reinvest in something else that's coming up from the bottom. 
otherwise it completely skews your asset allocation and your your tolerant your your risk essentially so if for example you say i'm going to have 10% of my savings in cash i'm going to have 50% in in uh, in my um, investment portfolio and the rest in bitcoin will suddenly if bitcoin shoots the lights out that completely skews those weightings and and the amount of risk that you're taking on and you'll probably find the next week bitcoin hits the floor again <laughs> um you know crypto is a particularly extremely volatile asset class um and i would certainly caution people from from keeping too much of their assets in that and again being strict about those about how you're ring fencing your assets and making sure fine if you want to take a punt on a couple of things fine but but do keep those core investments safe and and the other thing maybe you, you were sort of alluding to was well if you're not 18 is it too late have I lost all chance of you know a, g- a good retirement in later life the answer is definitely no um I think it's a bit the same as planting trees the, the best day to plant a tree was yesterday the second best day is today um, and I think that goes for the same with investing, really. Um, you know, the, the, the sooner you address address your financial situation um, and start making proper plans, the better. And it's never too late, for sure. Fabulous. I'm feeling better already. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, anything else you'd like to add? It's interesting um, what you were saying, Emma, about Bitcoin, because certainly when I when I spent time with my, my husband's a captain and, and time with his crew, Bitcoin seemed to be the talk of the, the crew mess. You know, they're all getting very excited about it and, and, and chatting away with each other about it. And it's interesting, isn't it, to try and translate that, you know, that that's exactly what investing is anyway, just because Bitcoin's the new the new kid on the block and seems sexier somehow, actually playing with markets is is exactly the same and and can be just as interesting um and probably more rewarding long term interesting and you know things like you think oh well i own a bit of i own a bit of apple that i own a bit of this iphone you know or i own a bit of google that i've just used or or it, it, yeah it, it's you can really i think people and that's something actually that we do is because we are investment managers, so we run these funds that people invest in, we can show you exactly what you own, exactly the companies that you're owning. Um, and I think that makes things a bit more real and a bit more interesting. Um, and it's, yeah, and I, I think as well, um, you know, you can choose to have portfolios that are based uh, on ethical values, for example, uh, sustainable values, you can choose to invest in companies that that you want to promote and that want, you know, that you feel share your own value set. And and perhaps in in that way, you feel like you're doing some good for other for others in your investments. Absolutely. Um, and actually on the ESG point, it's, it's really important. And Church House has signed up to the UK stewardship scheme. Um, and we're in the process of signing up to the UN principles for ESG as well. It's always been something we've we've really adhered to. Um, and it is something that, that, that clients want now. And it's really important. And I think particularly in yachting, people working at sea see the forefront of, of the damage to the environment. And so I tend to be quite passionate about it. Um, and exactly as you say, Melissa, it's not just about ruling out companies that you don't like. It's about proactively investing in companies that you do and that are making a good difference. Um, I've even seen actually um, a couple of clients who don't particularly like oil, who have shares in Shell just so they're getting votes on the board. So that's another tactic. Um, 
obviously Shell has not fared too well recently um, in, the U- in light of this whole Ukraine business um, because of their links in Russia that they've they've abandoned. But um, but you know it, it is things things like that 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 you can really get engaged and make a bit of a difference if if you are passionate about it. Wow. Interesting investment with with heart and soul, <laughs> you know, and there's the yeah, with a conscience. Yeah, with a conscience. But then, you know, then you're actually personally invested in it as well. It's not just your money. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and before we finish off, uh, I just wanted to touch on because I know Church House has also in the yachting industry, it's been part of Supiot Services Guide, and you've also been part of She of the Sea which, you know, the, the legacy mentoring, which is a, a, something we love as well. We, we, I've written an article which will be just about women in investing in particular. And there has historically been quite a disparity in women getting engaged with their own finances and particularly investing. To, women are much more prone to invest in cash, for example, than, than look at investments. And I mean, just quickly, if you think about it, women tend to work overall fewer years in their life because they'll often have a break for children. They might even not go back to work or go back on part time. Um, And then you think, well, women live longer. So they've got less in their pension pots. There's also that pay disparity. Women often earn less than men um, and they're living longer and then have less in their savings. So it is really important to make sure um, that that people are saving early and being conscious about their savings. Um, And what really I want to do, and I suppose it's the same with lay, is, is demystify investing. And you don't have to be some mathematical genius. You don't have to be incredibly wealthy. I mean, we can open portfolios for people from, you know, 500, 1,000 um, pounds with a diet, you know, you can do monthly savings from 50 pounds. You don't have to be incredibly wealthy to do it. Um, and we, we, are, we will be doing an event actually later in the year um, in June time, specifically for women. It's something we've done, done for several years, and then it was kiboshed by COVID. Um, but it will be a face-to-face event in London, um, but we might perhaps record it and post it online. But it's a, um, a chance really for face-to-face with lots of women asking the questions that they might not feel comfortable asking Otherwise, you know, everyone's sort of on a level there. So it is, you know, what is a share actually? I don't really understand. Or, you know, all those sort of potentially what might be perceived as basic questions, but it's a forum forum for that. Um, and I would like to reiterate, there's no such thing as a silly question. So if anyone listening has some some question that they're a bit afraid to ask because they don't want to be seen as silly, just please do email me um, <laughs> because I wouldn't know the first thing about doing a yacht survey or, or any of those things. So um, yeah, I'm just here to answer any questions. There's no sort of, you don't have to sign up as a client or anything like that. Fabulous. Thank you. I'm glad I did ask. <laughs> Right. I think that pretty much wraps up uh, our start of 2022 life after yachting. Um, it's so nice to see some familiar faces again. It's been, you know, a nice journey of discovering new bits from everybody and some very good reminders of things we sort of knew, but it's always good to have it reconfirmed. Um Melissa, thank you so much. Melissa has been the kind of working engine of life after yachting and all the social media you see and uh, organizing lots of different things for them. Thanks to Melissa. It's lovely doing the show with you today. And Emma Parks from Church House Investments. You can find them online. That's a .co.uk. And um, uh, you know where to go with silly questions. And other bigger ones (laughs) so thank you so much for tuning in today and uh, wherever you are in the world stay well stay safe 
and thank you for listening. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio.